Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are breaking down the Bradley Beal trade. So if you haven't heard, I don't know how you listen to this podcast and don't know, but Bradley Beal has been traded to the Suns. Uh, Let's look at the total players coming and going. So to the Suns from the Wizards, Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin, Isaiah Todd, and the Wizards in return are getting Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, multiple second round picks, and then multiple pick swaps. So the reason it's pick swaps is because the Suns, I don't know if they actually did, but it seemed like they traded all their first round picks away for Kevin Durant. <laughs> and the way the rule works is you can only trade picks every other year. So only, I think for the next five or six years, so you only have a certain amount of first rounders you can trade at a time. So when you don't have that, you do pick swaps and then they can swap first round picks, whichever is higher, right, for the Wizards. So initial reaction to this trade Bradley Beal's on the Suns. We got a new big three in the NBA. The NBA thrives on big threes. More than anything, a big three, I get the people pretty excited about that. So you're going to have Devin Booker as their best player, Kevin Durant as their second best player, and then Bradley Beal as their third best player. Wow. When I first heard this, I was like, wow, this does not happen all of the time. They're like, you're able to go out and get an all-star level player in Bradley Beal, and you are able to make a legit big three. It's hard because of the salary cap, and then it's just hard for like just opportunity sake. You have to have two stars a lot of the time to make that happen. So very, very difficult. I think this is crazy. I think it makes next year really, really exciting because with big threes, there's so much pressure. The expectations are so high. Like realistically, if you are a big three team, the expectation is 60 wins like whether that's fair or not that's pretty much what it is and i mean that's that's fireworks because either you have a team playing at a 60 win pace which is crazy or you have a team that like wins like 50 games and they're still pretty good but the amount of drama oh the drama Oh, I can't wait. It's about to make my job easier next year. So that's my initial reaction to the trade of, holy crap, the Suns have a legit big three. Uh, looking at it from like an actual trade perspective, I I I can't believe that this happened. Like I was, I was like, oh, I must be reading the trade wrong. That's what I thought because I could not believe the deal that the Suns got because essentially – I mean, they were like, all right, we're pretty much done with Chris Paul. He's pretty much at the end of the rope. Like, he's really old, and he can't stay healthy, and he wasn't very effective in the playoffs when he was healthy before he got hurt. And he always gets hurt in the playoffs, and, like, that is a problem. So the Suns get Bradley Beal, who is an all-star level player, who has been at, like, a borderline all-NBA player, like, averaging 30 points a game. He's done that twice. Twice in the last four years. It's, I mean, it's pretty crazy. But the burden with him is he has a crazy contract. He's one of the highest paid players in the league. He has a no trade clause. It was a, what is this, baseball? And he is a good player, but he is not an MVP player, and he's being paid like that. And he will be for the next four years. So it's a huge financial commitment. It's probably one of the top 10 worst contracts in the league. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that. And it's interesting because you're like, well, if it's such a bad contract and contracts are so important, like the NBA, the current day NBA is basically played on a graphing calculator, right? With GMs. So with that being said, 
why would I be like, wow, this is amazing for the Suns? Because they didn't give really anything up. Like I originally thought like, okay, I heard the Heat were rumored. I thought Tyler Hero, I think I said on the last podcast, Tyler Hero, maybe a first round pick or two and like salary filler. And then I was thinking about it more and because Beal's contract is so large, it would probably be Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And then I was like, probably don't need first to two number ones, probably just like one number one then. And it's one of those things where like Tyler Hero is a pretty good young player, but he he makes quite a bit of money. He makes over thirty million. He got his extension. That's going to kick in, I believe, this year, and that's four years at thirty million. Where he's a pretty good player, but it's hard to live up to thirty million a year. Like that's a that's a tall task. And then Duncan Robinson, he got just like a he got like a five year deal a few years ago at like something like eighteen or nineteen million a year, where it was like that's pretty high end for a role player. And then he has not performed nearly as well. But it's like weird; he has ups and downs. Like there's times where he was productive in this playoff run, but just over the length of the first two years of the contract, it really hasn't been a great value. Uh, but he is a good three point shooter who has played at a really high level shooting the ball in years past, but hasn't been the same the last two years. He's an interesting guy where it's like, it's not really a great contract, but like at least he does give you spurts of being valuable. Um, But that's what I thought that they would get back in return. However, the wizards get back in return, uh, like 45 year old Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, who I actually do like, I think he'll like, I was talking to someone, uh, I was talking to Krishna uh, before this episode recording it. Like there are different types of role players that are like your eighth or ninth guy off your bench. And there are some guys that stay in the league, like someone like Tory Craig is probably going to have a 10 year career. And you'd be like, Tory Craig, do I know who Tory Craig is? It's one of those guys where he's like, he's a pretty good defender. He has like a real NBA body. He's pretty strong, like can last, pretty durable. And I mean, and I, I mean that in comparison to all the guys that aren't in the league anymore. I think that's one of the things when we talk about durability, which is kind of hard, is there are people that are freakishly durable. Like Mikhail Bridges hasn't missed a game since like middle school. And that's just crazy. Like that's like I you're made of like vibranium or something. Like that doesn't even make any sense. And then there's just the baseline of uh kind of wear and tear that you need to be able to take to stay in the league for more than like two or three years because so many guys flame out. We're like, it's just hard to make it to the NBA. It's just a really big jump from college. But physically, it's really difficult to just stay healthy, stay above 85% where you can be like most of yourself because when you're not, like if you're 70% of yourself and you're a fringe NBA player because like you had, I don't know, like a grade two ankle sprain that's kind of lingered into like it's like second or third month and you're trying to play through it or like you sprained your wrist and it's not all the way healed or you have both of those things and you're playing in the G League and like you're not really getting the touches and you don't love the coach. Like you're just not going to make the league. Like you're just not healthy enough to like even 100% healthy. It's still really hard because there's not that many slots, but like you're just not going to make the league at 70% of yourself as a fringe player. That's really, really, really far off the rails here. My point is I think Landry Sham is going to be a 10 year vet. Like he's just going to bounce around on teams. I know he's on a pretty long contract. He doesn't get, he gets like $10 million a year. Nothing crazy. It's probably a little overpay for what he is, but I like him. He had had a game in the playoffs where I think he had like 20 something points. Point is I like Landry Shamit. He's a, like a deeper role player that I'm like, he's better than other deeper role players. Cause like, he's going to have a 10 year career. There's like some level of consistency to that that's like a pretty deep dive on Landry Shaman I've always kind of been a fan whenever I watch him he plays very well I think I've seen probably like his seven or eight best games of his career which is that's gonna be uh it's gonna you know kind of tilt my bias a certain direction but recapping 
The Wizards receive Chris Paul, who it's like a partially guaranteed contract. It's unclear if they'll release him or not. I don't know. Um, Landry Shamit, who's like a solid role player, who's going to be in the NBA for a while. And then multiple second round picks, which like doesn't hold much value. I mean, it's nice to have, but it doesn't hold a ton of value. And then multiple pick swaps, which I guess is something but the problem is like if the suns are pretty good for the next few years i don't it doesn't i I don't know if they've released when what years the pick swaps are for i don't know if they finalized that yet but if it's the next couple years the suns are probably going to be pretty competitive those won't be lotto picks that they could swap into so they probably just won't use the swaps i don't know if they do great whatever the point is swaps aren't that valuable so you're getting a very very old player in chris paul who like has is nothing for your future right and then you're getting Landry Shamit, where you're like, okay, this is like a, this is a solid NBA player. And then you're getting a couple second round picks and some pick swaps. That's really like that's as low of a return as you basically can get. Like it's hard to make the money work for a trade and get less than that. That is peanuts as a return. The Suns getting Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin, and Isaiah Todd. Now, we're not going to talk about Jordan Goodwin or Isaiah Todd. Jordan Goodwin, he does keep popping up on the leaderboards tool. He's high in something. I can't remember what it is. So this happens sometimes where there's there's so many young players coming in and out of the league where they're just it, it's hard to, to get a grasp on them. But sometimes when I'm just in the leaderboards tool, one of the cool things about analytics is it can kind of give you a peek around the corner sometimes to players that might last in the NBA. And I will just be doing various searches for random stats, nothing nothing that pertains to the player like Jordan Goodwin, but his name will keep popping up in the top like 40 of like some random like, you know, like perimeter D. I think it's perimeter defensive stats. I can't remember exactly, but that's what I think it is. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, those guys tend to stick around where if you're not good at anything in our leaderboard tool, I never see your name chances are you're probably not going to stay in the NBA for very long because you're not good at anything that we measure. And we measure a lot of things. I think we have over 250 unique stats. So like we're, we're measuring a lot. And if I never see your name, that's that's not good. And Jordan Goodwin is a name I've seen quite a bit. So I would be interested if there's some sleeper value there. I think it's as a perimeter defender, which is what this team needs. So maybe he get minutes there. Not really sure, but just a name to kind of uh, file away in the back of the cabinet is like, oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) But the main thing is the Suns receive Bradley Beal for basically nothing. A low of a price. Like you're getting an all-star player. Like, sure. Is he not the the greatest player among all the all-stars? No, he's not. Is he overpaid? Yes, he is. But he is an all-star player. And talent is so important in the NBA. And role players, role players are important. I think free agency matters. I think the the deeper moves on the bench, they do matter. We saw it with Golden State two years ago had a really, really strong bench of like three or four guys. Off the top of my head, Gary Payton was playing at an all-defensive uh, NBA level. Otto Porter Jr. was able to play that kind of stretch four stretch it out a little bit, play good defense, really, really rebound well for not being a traditional big. And that gave them roster flexibility. They had other options on their bench, but those two in particular, like those players were playing really well. That definitely contributed. And it was sorely missed this year. Like if you watch Golden State, I mean, their whole thing was like they basically had six players the entire year. And that's really hard to go a whole season that way. 
getting back on track. We'll stop stop talking about depth. Back to Bradley Beal. I'm very distracted in this podcast. <laughs> but what Beal does is a very rare thing in the NBA where it like I, t- I talked about this with the Timberwolves in the offseason where it was like, does this roster make perfect sense? No. But does this roster just have enough overall talent to be competitive? Yes. Where it's like, I don't know how the cat and go bear thing is going to work. At the time they had D'Lo a point guard, they had an emerging ant where it was like, uh, Jane McDaniels hadn't had his breakout season yet where it was like, okay, but there's like enough here to where I'm like, this team can't be bad. Like they have too many players that are interesting or already good to where it's like, they can't be bad. And that's how I feel about it's it's a it's a greater version of it here with the Suns. It kind of reminds me of the Nets. Obviously, the Nets had more talent where it was KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, where it was like, do these players all fit together perfectly? It's like probably not, where it's like they weren't like a terrible fit or anything, but it was like, is this perfect? Probably not, but you're getting so you're getting to a level of so much, you know, accumulative talent where it starts to not matter. Where like that team when it was healthy was overwhelming and they weren't really healthy that long and we still remember that team as pretty difficult to stop. And I think with Booker, Kevin Durant, and Beal, it's like, mm, that's a lot of firepower. Like they have three guys who could, like we say this where it's like, oh, you know, you have two guys that can score 25 every night or 30 or whatever it is. Like they legitly have three guys that can score 30 every night and like will be doing it pretty often because these three players are really scorers more than anything else. Three scores where you would love to have like more of a ball handling element on the team where it's like Beal and Booker and even KD like can they can handle the ball something they can't do it but you know someone like a I don't know like a Jalen Brunson like he's just more natural as like a traditional point guard handling the ball running the offense just like keeping a live dribble all the time you know and again it's not the end of the world but I I think it would be. You know, Booker and Beal are going to be your guards. You're going to play KD at the four. Aiton right now is the five. And then that three man will be, it will just be like some defensive oriented player. And I'm interested to see if Aiton gets traded because Aiton is another good offensive player, but Aiton feeds off of, like he's a, he's a play finishing big, right? That can stretch it out to the elbow really well he's he's really interesting because as a play finisher he is maybe the most versatile finisher of bigs outside of Jokic where like yes he can finish next to the basket but also like a step away and two steps away and three steps away like his floats and hooks are among the best in the league there's just really not players that have a finishing package like him and then again he can do it all the way out to the elbow shooting jumpers where like you when you drive and then give it to your role man which is him he can be in a number of situations he can open up uh spacing in the middle of the court which is kind of a a thing that most nba teams don't really try to do but it it still can be valuable and it still can be useful but the problem is is like he like there's only there's only so many points to score in a game right where there, there's something in it was one of the analytics books I read. I can't remember who wrote it. I think it was Seth Partnow. Yes, it was because he came on the show and we talked about it. And he talked about how at the beginning of every NBA game, there's 80 points, 20 rebounds, and 20 assists. I think to like just be had. Like the team is just going to get those, and how they choose to distribute them is up to them. 
Because it's kind of the idea of like on any team, someone is going to score 20 points a game. And sometimes we get a little, uh, how would I say, a little confused when we see that because we get excited. Where it's like someone on the Rockets averaged 20 points a game this year. It's probably Jalen Green. Where it's difficult to have an NBA team where you don't have a 20 point a game score. And that doesn't really tell you anything. Because there are, again, you're going to get 80, 80 something points every game, pretty much as long as you have like a bunch of guys that have played basketball before, you know, in college. Now they're not in college and you're like, all right, we got to play basketball. And sure, is this team's offense going to be crazy? Yeah. Are they going to routinely score like 115 points? Yes. But at a certain point, there's a redundancy like there is with the like, I guess, Bradley Beal and Booker are kind of a similar kind of like more shooting guard players, not not point guards. And then there's also redundancy in Aiton doesn't really help this team because Aiton is a good offensive player. He's a good play finisher. He's not a great defender. So it's like, okay, you know what this team really needs? Like ball handling and defense. And it's like, those aren't, neither of those things DeAndre Aiton's like super great at. So I think trading him would make sense. Uh, they have four very large contracts he actually makes the least. I think he makes like around 30 million. His extension, I think just kicked in this year or last year. I can't remember, but there are four guys making a lot of money on this team. So I don't know if Aiden gets moved. I think it would make sense to bring in more defensive oriented players, but this is crazy. Like the Suns got an all-star for free, essentially in terms of what they had to give up. Yes, they have to pay him, but they gave up Chris Paul, who pretty much looks like he's done. Maybe he latches on to a, a contender and plays like 20 minutes a game. I don't know. But like it it was not great this year. And I think he's like 37 or something, 38, 39, 40. And they gave up Landry Shamit, who, you know, is I like him. I actually like him as a player, but he's not Bradley Beal. So this trade was crazy. There was actually like multiple people I've heard be like, wow, man, Suns really lost this trade. And I'm like, they got an all-star for free. How many teams are getting all-stars for free? If I was the Mavericks, I would have been like, I get you probably should have thrown your hat in the ring for a free all-star where it's like, is it the greatest fit in the world? No, but that team desperately needs talent. If you're the Blazers, you're like, well, we just got to drop some salary. Like we'll just trade you like the the worst shortest contracts we have. You get Bradley Beal. It's like again, that's not the most ideal fit. But if you don't have to give anything up, that's that is interesting. That is interesting. It's interesting that people are thinking the Suns have lost this trade. Does it lock them into the team they have? Yes. Is it a big financial commitment? Yes. But they cross the threshold in offensive firepower that teams just don't cross that often. Like, say what you want about Beal. You know, maybe he's not as good as he was two years ago. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it is. It just frankly doesn't matter because between Durant, Beal, and Booker, it's like somebody's, it's, you know, it comes down to like really classic sports radio. This is not a difficult, this is not a difficult one to grade. Uh, well, well, one of those three players is going to be open. And those guys are probably going to hit open shots. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this trade. The Suns stole Bradley Beal. The Wizards got basically nothing back. This is a huge win for the Suns. I mean, I guess it's a win for the Wizards because they just handcuffed themselves with that contract and now they don't have it. So I I guess. But I, I if, you, if you're going to trade Beal, I don't know why you wouldn't trade him before the extension. 
And then now that you're trading him, you're getting nothing back. You just get, you just lost it. Like he might as well have just walked in free agency. You know, you could have signed a, a player like, like Landry Shamit to a, a 10 year, a mill deal. Like the, I, I guess you got some second round picks. I, that's not good. That's not good. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. You want to talk to me on Twitter at Taylor Metrics, and we will catch you on the next. Oh, what are we going to do? We're going to, ooh, this is a good one. I'm going to tease this one because I'm really excited about it. So I did this last year. I really liked it. So we have the career LeBron war of the 2019 draft class. The idea is everyone wants to like basically say how good a draft was the night of the draft where obviously the drafts on Thursday and it's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> and this is really cool because this is after four years. Cause that's how long a rookie deal is. I, it's, I know it's, it's not the end all be all the value you get on the rookie deal, but the players are making considerably less than they will be making when they're good. Right. Cause they're going to be making like seven, eight, nine million a year on like the last, year or two of their rookie deal and then for the really good players like like john morant and zion they're going to be getting paid 30 plus million depending on their extension so it's a huge value change from rookie contract to their you know their first big restricted free agent contract so we're going to recap the 2019 draft i'm going to talk about the big hits of the draft and then i'm going to talk about who has the highest career lebron war so far through four years so That will be fun. Excited to do that. But yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. And we'll see you on the next one of the Basketball Index Podcast.